0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is a special show about Galaxy's Edge for March 1st, 2019. On today's show, it's all Galaxy's Edge all the time. First, let's bring in the man who was Jar Jar Binks' vocal coach, one Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going?
1: Well, I I just want to talk briefly about that experience. The interesting thing, most of the times you tell people to speak from from their diaphragm. In this case, it was the swim bladder. (laughs) That that explains a lot of things, Jim. That was good. All
0: right. Let's welcome in our special guest, freelance journalist Carly Weisel, who was part of the media tour for Disneyland's Galaxy's Edge preview last week. You can read Carly's article over at travelandleisure.com. Welcome, Carly. We are super excited to have you on the show.
2: Thanks. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I cannot wait to talk about this. But before we do, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, Brandon S. Trip H., and Leonardo L, and longtime subscribers Rage Song, Ramiz A, and Robert O. You know, Jim and Carly, if I ever find myself leading a small group of resistance fighters through a snowstorm on Hoth, and we find a tauntaun that's just been cut open to provide shelter, I hope that we all get to cuddle for warmth in that tauntaun with Brandon, Tripp, Leonardo, Rage Song, Ramiz, and Robert. I think that'd be an excellent bonding experience, don't you?
1: How big is this Tauntaun?
0: They're big, from what I understand. They're okay. multi. Well, they're getting bigger, right? It's like the chicken breasts. Okay, never mind.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's get right into that. Carly, you were you were there. We have a million questions. Let me just start off by asking asking this: How did Disney approach you? And what did they tell you about Galaxy's Edge before you got there?
2: So it was a three-day press event, and it started at Lucasfilm in San Francisco. And then we traveled to Imagineering in Glendale. And from there, finally made it to Disneyland to approach the edge of the galaxy. So it was kind of this crazy experience where you're traveling with a pack of journalists, and you're learning a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until you're actually physically standing in the space.
0: So you started at Lucasfilm. What did did they do then? Was it like introduction to Star Wars?
2: It was more so just some top level things. It was the type of thing where on day one, you know, getting the name of Ronto Roasters was breaking news. And by day three, we were (laughs) standing in it. So it was just they were like slowly easing us into the unbelievable pile of news that was about Mm -hmm. to come our
0: way. Oh, got it. All right. So it, it, it does sound like they were literally preparing you for all the detail that you were about to see, right? Yes. They were
2: kind of giving us the type of color that we wouldn't have paid attention to if they told us it while we were standing in front of the Millennium Falcon. So it was right. helpful to, like <laughs> to grasp <laughs> like, onto those details. Stop,
0: yeah, stop. I don't want to hear about your thing. Let me just look. Let me just yes. look. All right. So you then you get to Glendale and what happens?
2: Uh, we get to Glendale and what did we do there? We had three panels, one of which was kind of focused on the tech involved in making Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. One was on the Play Disney Parks app portion of Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And then we did a tour of the animation building. We saw the Hondo Onaka and Doc Ondar animatronics. We saw DJ Rex and we heard the music. And then we had a final panel at the end of the day.
1: Okay. Jimmy, you were going to say something? I wanted to sort of establish the the baseline here. Going into this, how much did you know about the star wars universe i mean you've obviously seen the films that sort of thing but where would you put yourself at, i guess on the spectrum is what i'm asking here.
2: <laughs> i'm fine to admit that i am a theme park fan i you know i got nothing against star wars but it's not the thing that i live and breathe but over the course of the past week i'm all in i am yeah. all <laughs> in
1: <laughs> cool. okay
0: all right cool so uh you've seen all the movies right
2: Yeah, I've seen, you know, I have like a base knowledge of it, which is actually pretty helpful because I write for a travel and leisure audience. And so you get a mix of every kind of fan. And so I can kind of tell people who maybe don't know anything about the films that even still, they're going to be blown away.
0: All right, cool. Because that—that was the—that uh, was the impression that I got when, when I was in Diagonale Alley at Universal. Like, I've never read the books, I've never seen the films, and yet I—I I spent six hours in the land. I think as as our listeners know. Yes. All right. So, I guess on day three they bring you to Galaxy's Edge.
2: Yes, we were brought to. Oh God, my brain is mush at this point. What did we do day three? Oh, we started with a casual storytellers cafe breakfast, which is very casual storytellers. yes, <laughs> which is very weird to be in Disneyland Resort and just know that you're about to see something <laughs> and you know yeah. it's coming. But we we had a food and beverage panel. Where we were actually, we tasted a lot of the dishes that'll be coming to Docking Bay 7 and the cantina.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then they took our phones and put us in a bus and they gave me a pair of
0: construction <laughs> <laughs> they, they took your phones. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I was, yeah. yeah. And then we were there.
0: Where did they start the tour? Did they walk you in like through Frontierland, through Cruter Country, through back... Back alley, how did you How do you get in?
2: We went through a backstage area to enter the land physically, but we saw the backside of what the entrances will be like. Okay. And they talked for a few days about how it's very cinematic in the sense that mm-hmm. they bring you in very small and open you up wide, kind of like when you come under the train tracks and you enter train the park. Train tracks. Yeah. Exactly, so exactly. It's that kind of conceit where they shrink you down a little, so then when it opens up, you're shocked. And you, I could kind of see from the reverse angle – how that happens. But honestly, once I was in the land, I was still pretty shocked.
0: Do you get the same entrance experience coming from Critter Country and from the Frontierland Fantasyland side?
2: It's um, the same general concept, but they are different entrances. Because when you enter from fantasy land, you'll come in and on the right side will be some first order objects. You'll have a really big, this new TIE fighter that no one has seen before that's, I believe, exclusive to the land will be on your right. But you okay. know, if you enter back through Critter Country, you're going to be on the resistance side, so you'll see resistance ships. So that's kind of the main difference is what you'll come upon when you actually enter.
0: Did you get the sense that Disney was going to, at least for the first year or so, the the thing is open, uh, route people in one way and out one way? like. Is it going to be a one-way street for you
2: I'm just going to generally say that any questions I had about ops were swiftly shut down. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. And right. of which I had many. But right. that's the thing is that we're all so curious about how people are going to get into the park, how people are going to get into the land, which yeah. entrance will be for what, what the line queues will be like. It's I, I can't say either way, but I have to assume that they... I mean, I would assume that they would want people to enter through Critter Country just because that's further in the park and then they can move people along through the park more without blocking Big Thunder or Fantasyland.
0: So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I I think of all the articles that I've read in the last, it has been out for 14 and a half hours now, (laughs) uh, for the last 14 and a half hours, nobody has any sense operationally of what they're doing.
2: Yeah, generally the vibe I'm going with is if someone says they know, they're lying.
0: All right. Okay. Cool. All right. So so you're you're standing there. You're on the edge of gal- uh, on the edge of the galaxy, right? Do you have like the John Williams music playing in your head as you're doing this? <laughs> What's your first impression? They're like, okay, you know, you get off the bus, and, and an Imagineer casually says, "Oh, you know, oh, welcome to Batu." What are you feeling at this moment?
2: Well, part of the soundtrack was construction crews because it um, okay. they are working like crazy. But it, I mean, I did have the music in my head a little just to get into the vibe. But it was. It was unbelievable to see it in real life. The main thing I wrote down when I left was that they did not mess this up. They did (laughs) such a good job. It was, I mean, because, you know, we all are so critical and we all have our doubts whether or not, you know, you review Disney professionally, but they really did an outstanding job.
0: Oh, that's fantastic to hear. I'm super excited. All right. So, so you're walking in, what, what are your first impressions when you're walking? What do you... What do you say?
2: I mean, as a journalist, I'm trying not to be like, yo, y'all did a good job. but <laughs> <laughs> And like listening back to the audio, it's a lot of us being like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And like quietly yeah. freaking out. But we mm-hmm. entered, um, we split into three groups and my group entered and we were in the middle of Black Spire Outpost, which is the center of the land. And something that I don't really think was conveyed much before all of the news drop and kind of even within the model is that the Resistance Forest, which is the area where Rise of the Resistance attraction is, that is a very separate area. Really? How so? You walk down a path to get there. Once you're there, you can't really see much of Black Spirit Outpost in the marketplace, which is the closest area to there. So something that only really became clear to me once I was physically standing in the space is that Galaxy's Edge has basically two areas. There's Black Spire Outpost, which is in the center, which is where we started at. And then the Resistance Forest, where the rise of the Resistance ride is. And there's this log path that you walk through to get there. It feels very separate. And I'm pretty sure that by the time landscaping is done, you won't feel like you're in the same land as you do within Black Spire Outpost.
0: Okay. All right. So the idea is that these things are far away, right? That the Resistance people are sort of camped out a distance away? Yeah. Too. Okay.
2: Story-wise, the deal is that the First Order has arrived to Black Sparrow Outpost on Planet two a couple weeks ago. Townspeople are kind of buzzing about it. There's gossip. And the Resistance is gathering troops and gathering supplies out in the forest and the outskirts of town.
0: Ah, uh, got it. Okay. Sort of like a, a guerrilla uh, force. All right. And then what? Yes. Uh, where did you guys go from there?
2: So my group went through the Star Wars Rise of the Resistance queue first.
0: The queue. Which...
2: Yes. We eventually, we went through the entire queue and we walked through and experienced a portion of the ride.
0: So walk us through, walking through the queue, what was that like?
2: The closest comparison I can give you is to the queue within Pandora, the World of Avatar, because that queue is said to hold five hours Mm -hmm. for Flight of Passage. And this one, they wouldn't give me a time, but it feels about as long.
0: Five hours. So first question, are there bathrooms?
2: There are not bathrooms. (laughs) Also- (laughs) All right. there oh there is a water fountain okay. but um, don't Not, quote me on, don't quote me on five hours. That is just what I know from Pandora but yeah. it felt similarly long with a lot of twists and turns right. and it, it took a while to get through even just walking through.
0: Does it go through different environments? Like, what's what does the inside of the queue look like? What sort of theming is it?
2: So the theme for the entirety of the queue is mostly the same. A lot of it is just like it's been hollowed out from within the rock. There's there are some areas that are hallways that they used a laser knife to cut, and you can see that etching, which is pretty, which is pretty cool. Mm. But unlike the Pandora queue, which you know has areas where they're small and areas where they're big, where you're in the lab, this is one theme throughout, and there's a lot of objects that. You know, it feels like this area was here forever and the resistance has arrived and all of their objects are kind of strewn about as they get ready to go do something crazy.
0: Okay. And then you get to, I guess, like the loading area. What does the loading area look like?
2: Oh, before that, I need to mention one big thing is that this queue has benches within
0: the stone. Okay. That's super interesting because I got a question from from somebody else. It was cryptic earlier in the week. And the question was... Are there any seats anywhere in Disneyland in a ride?
2: I guess at this point you can say yes, because in a lot of it kind of twists and turns through stone. And there yeah. is one section in the middle where they carved out benches. And it was pretty funny because the Imagineer who worked on the attraction, who gave us the tour, like the Disney fans who were in the group were like, oh, my God, there's benches. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I am a dad. I know. I'm so happy about this. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
2: So it's not the, it's only a portion of the queue, but honestly, at that, when you're like halfway through the queue, you'll take it.
0: Oh, so, so do you think the benches are about halfway through the queue? That'll be a good, uh, that'll be a good visual signal. Yeah. All right. Is there any sort of like story that tells you like you're going to become part of the resistance or why you're, and is there anything Mm -hmm. that hints about what's going to happen? Go ahead.
2: Yes. So there is a, a merge point where the fast pass and the standby queues merge. And in that portion, I believe there is some sort of element that kind of sets the scene. But the moment immediately after that, which I'm pretty sure is exactly where the ride, quote unquote, begins, mm-hmm. uh, you're greeted by an AA BB-8. So BB-8 will be whirring around and then a hologram of Ray will appear. And I'm from what I understand, the hologram will kind of explain what's about to happen and why you're taking this mission to go fight the First Order.
0: Okay. And then you, I guess, board. What happens is that? Do you board a ride then? Or do you... Because we've heard, we've heard part of this ride is walking, part of it is actually in a vehicle, and then part of it is something else. So what what's the first part of it?
2: I guess up top I will mention, um, you know how Haunted Mansion, once you enter the actual mansion at the beginning, the story kind of begins. You're ushered into into the stretching room. That happens. Then you get off that and you hold on to your uh, loved ones for dear life as you approach a ride vehicle. Kind of like that, the story will begin. But it won't just be you're walking and there's not much happening. That will actually be part of the attraction. So once you see BB-8 and Rey and like once it all begins, a door will open and you will be outside and then Poe's X Wing fighter will be there. You'll hear like noises of plane of uh, not planes, of ships taking off. And then you as a group, which they estimated to be between 48 and 55 people, okay. will enter a speeder together as one. A speeder. I believe it's some sort of ship. Honestly, my brain is Star Wars mush at this point. Okay. But it is a, I don't, they said there wasn't an exact name for it, uh, okay. but it will be a ship that will house. A few dozen people.
0: Okay, and what's the what's the backstory there? You're you're going there to become part of the resistance.
2: You're going to battle the First Order, and you are going to you know Poe is your wingman, okay. uh, Nub is your pilot. You're just you're part of the resistance now, and you're joining them on their attack. Okay. And then things don't go as planned.
0: (laughs) Then something went (laughs) wrong. All right. The classic Disney twist. All right.
2: Yes. And we were sworn to secrecy about part of this, but you will be in this ship with a group of people and the ship will be moving. You will be standing throughout the experience. So it won't be, you know, a full blown physical movement, but the ship will be in fact moving and will be activated.
0: With you standing up? Yes. Okay. Okay. And then I'm assuming the ship gets captured somehow some sort of tractor beam thing you end up yes. you end up on a uh, dist-
2: it gets s- sucked into a star destroyer
0: A star destroyer okay cool yes and then uh, from what I understand you exit the star destroyer onto the the sort of famous bridge scene right with the yes yeah,
2: so you so you enter the ship you know all's good Poe's like come on guys something happens and then the door to the ship opens and you are on the star destroyer like, it feels real in the sense that you will walk in from the landing strip and you'll walk out as a prisoner of the First Order.
0: Wow. And did you get to walk out onto the, the deck, onto the bridge? Yeah. <laughs> what, what was what was that like?
2: I cannot explain how big it was. The screen, I believe, is 100 feet long. It feels like, I, I mean, the closest comparison I can give to it, which is not even a good one, is if you were going into Sorin, all the ride vehicles were gone you were a little further away from the screen and instead of that pit in front of the screen it yeah. was 50 stormtroopers.
0: Oh, so that big but okay, wow. That's uh that's impressive because that's a big it's uh, a big area.
2: It is unfathomably big because Disney hasn't really done a show scene like that where you walk into a building that is just gigantic and for the most part a bit
1: empty.
0: Right, but that's the way it should be in the show. I wonder uh, there can't be Jim. There can't be multiple
1: of these, can there? No, no. It, is in one. fact, as Carly mentioned, you know, you start off with a group of, what, 48 or thereabouts, and then you're made a prisoner of the First Order, and they break you down into smaller groups. But for this show scene, Doug Chang, a longtime designer for, for Lucasfilm, he was taken in there where they're putting the steel in. I mean, this scene alone yep. is the size of the entire show building for Pirates of the Caribbean.
0: Oh, so it's massive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I- Okay. So you um you, you end up on the bridge. I guess no, you have a to hanger, s- hanger. A hanger, hanger, hanger. Hangar. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You end up in the hangar. Something happens. How much how much more do they show you beyond this, Carly?
2: So after this, it seems like this scene and Jim might know this also, but it seems like this scene is quite short. It seems like the stormtroopers are kind of glaring in you. Only some of them are animatronic. And then first order cast members will be ushering you down a hallway into basically like detention jail cells.
0: Okay. That makes sense though, because if this, is, if this area is that big, there's only one of them in the mm-hmm. show building. And that means they are they're, they're having to cycle. Oh, everybody yes. through. oh okay.
2: yeah. There is only for sure. Only one of these.
0: Okay. All right. So then uh, did you get to uh, see any more of the, uh, the right after this, what happens after that? So, point?
2: We got to walk through the hallway and then we stood in a detention cell, which feels maybe if I had to guess, maybe they would split the group in half. So maybe about 25 people. They did mention that your group, you know, your 48 to 55, how many group that you may merge with other groups at this point, which is why I kind of connected to Haunted Mansion. Mm. But yeah, so I, I, so that's why I'm not sure how long you'll actually be in that hangar because you might, that hallway might be holding and might be backed up. It might not be a you walk through and immediately go into a detention room.
0: Wow. So, this, uh, so the part of getting captured then is, is the pre show essentially.
2: Yes. Wow. So, okay. That's right. as, that's yes, clever. that's as far as we saw. And the, um, the detention room, which they liken to when Poe has his interaction with Kylo Ren. Right. Once we left the ride, I asked one of the guys in charge, I was like, so how much of the ride did we just see? And he goes, 30%.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: and I I was like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, people are going to lose their minds. It's a monster.
1: Well, you know, the weird thing is Chapek is out there talking about the fact that Rise of the Resistance really is four separate ride experiences grouped as one massive Star Wars experience.
2: Yes, and that was uh, definitely a sentiment that they mentioned, I think, once during the trip. We tried to pinpoint... Kind of if we had seen one and a half, mm-hmm. if we had seen two, and they wouldn't specify.
0: Okay. Mm.
2: But that is definitely true.
0: So you never got on the ride vehicle? You never saw the ride vehicle?
2: We saw the ride vehicle in footage. And then okay. when we were... I'm sorry, not footage. Uh, we Actually, yeah. Because it wasn't that static image of the at It was... I feel like we must have seen footage. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Three days of secret yeah, notes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Brain. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, but we did go, when we were at WDI, we went into a space where they showed us vehicle testing. Okay. And the way that trackless vehicle moved through their test space was, I'd say, pretty similar to what the final vehicle will move like.
0: Okay. So the, the parts that you haven't seen, or the part where you're actually in that ride vehicle, the fight itself, yes. the escape, and then the return to Batu, which we've all assumed for a while, based on scripts we've been leaked, is some sort of like escape pod the safety warning for
1: the ride includes the phrase sudden drop
0: yeah so there there is a like a a drop uh carly did they say anything about it being like a drop coaster type effect
2: not at all not
0: at all yeah okay
2: no the only element beyond what we've seen that we know it comes down to two things one i know that we will see kylo ren in various forms throughout the experience and then two that eight seat droid powered vehicle that disney announced i feel like four to five weeks ago
0: Mm. Yeah, so I think that's the escape pod. No,
1: the eight passenger droid thing. Remember, you are, you have been broken down into groups. You're going to be taken away to uh, get a holding cell and that sort of thing. And one of the ways they're going to transport you to the holding cell is in your oh, eight is passenger vehicle. Oh, is that it? Vehicle.
0: Okay, okay, I misunderstood. And
1: then somebody comes to help you, and we'll talk about that later. All right. All right
0: okay. Cool. All right. So, Carly, what? Uh, what was there? Anything else in? Uh... Rise of the Resistance, then, that you uh, that you saw?
1: No,
2: it's just the sheer size of it, yeah, it paired with how much more is to come and that it's such a non-traditional experience is kind of my major takeaway.
0: Did they give you any sense of how long the total experience is going to be?
2: They did say that the number that was floating around is deeply inaccurate, but okay. it feels like there's a lot. Like I, I can't imagine this would be shorter than 10 minutes, so maybe 15 if I had to guess.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, just, just from the uh, the logistics of moving the people around, I don't know that they could do it in under 10, right?
2: Yeah, a lot of it comes down to what the process from when you first exit onto and you see uh, you see the stormtroopers and then you move into the detention cell, whether that will be, you know, a very linear experience or if people will kind of be held and slowly move in.
0: Okay. So you leave the rise of the resistance. Do you exit through a gift shop? That's a standard question I have to ask everyone.
2: <laughs> um, TBD. We exited, I think, back the way we came.
0: Okay. And then what did you guys do after that?
2: After that, we went to see the Millennium Falcon.
0: All right. So they do they walk you over and be like, oh, you like oh you like the ship right here? Oh it's, <laughs> oh, it's the Millennium Falcon. Uh, have you ever have you heard of it? Uh, how did they approach you with, by the way, would you like to see the Millennium Falcon?
2: Well, the thing is, once you reach a certain point in Black Spire Outpost, you can't miss it. Okay. And they they were very deliberate, they told us, about the way that they placed it so that it kind of revealed itself a bit like the castle when you enter Disneyland or Magic Kingdom. Okay. But except for a castle, it's the coolest ship that's ever existed.
0: Oh, so it's the weenie in uh, Galaxy's Edge, the Millennium Falcon. That, that totally makes sense.
2: Yes. And the way that it's set, so it's set where the spires just kind of add to the size. Um, mm. The ship is, you know, they sent me a correction. I think it's 100 feet long and I once said 110. It's about, let's just say 100 to 110 feet long. Mm-hmm. And the spires behind it are about 130 so once you enter the space and the spires and the shit, and everything is so big.
0: Okay, so it feels like you're actually, you're enveloped in the land. You're actually in the land.
2: Yes.
1: Okay. A couple of people have you know alluded to men weeping <laughs> you know, when, it, <laughs> when they see this thing, You because know, how many people had one of these toy-sized as a child? Did you experience anything like that? or Did you cry like so, a man? Uh, <laughs> you like
2: so, you know, because I think that either gender can have, you know, open emotions. Mm-hmm. Yes, men, women, and possibly children are going to cry. They're going to lose their minds. It's 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 there. It's there, and it looks exactly the way you want it to be, and it's real, and you want to touch it, but you can't, but it's right there.
0: I've heard that to get the authenticity of the Falcon right, they actually took castings of the bolts used on the sets, and the bolts that they used in the in the ride are the same that make, make the bolts the same like none of this oh. is like off the su- off the shelf stuff you're going to get at ace hardware
2: wow um i i don't know that specifically but i would not be surprised considering that they mentioned once about how they tried to source a lot of product that was before the 1980s to give it that authentic feel from the original films oh yeah but that would not surprise me if they did cuz they really went in on this
0: all right so you you're at the millennium falcon they're like do you want to go for a ride
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> they, were like, they were like, come on in folks. So when you approach it, there's a v- what they're calling a vista above. So there's a lookout point. If you go a different way, that's up top. I believe it's by, I want to say docking base seven. Okay, I'm, tr- I'm getting, my brain's getting a little lost in the mold because there's a lot of pathways in and out and around, but there's a lookout point so that you're guaranteed to get that photo in front of it without other people. And then when you approach the ride, you're on a lower level and you walk past with the falcon on your right to enter the queue. Okay. And so the queue, there is a single rider line. Thank God.
0: Yes. <laughs> <Single rider laughs> yes. Line. Is there one for um, Rise of the Resistance?
2: So they would not confirm it. I asked multiple people, but the okay. single rider one, I saw the sign. So it okay. is real. All right. That's good. Um, so, so you enter on the right and there was a lower queue and a higher queue. I believe the higher queue is... Fast pass. The lower queue is standby, okay. and you walk by, and you walk the entirety of the Falcon on your right hand side.
0: So this is the one that's outside the Millennium Falcon on your on your right hand side. Yes. Okay. Cool. And then you you walk in somewhere. Like how do they? How do you actually get onto the Falcon? Does it does it seem like you're actually boarding the? Because you're not you're not you're not boarding the thing that's on the outside, are you? That's just a prop, right?
2: Yes, that is just a prop, but. So, I mean, it's more of like a enormous set piece. But I know that a lot of people have been super concerned about it not feeling authentic when you first enter it because you just saw it outside. Yeah. But the way that the queue is shaped, so you walk the whole entirety of the Falcon on the right-hand side. Then you're in an indoor space. And the indoor space has, it it goes up a level. So you'll walk past the Falcon, then you'll kind of go up a level, um, up a ramp. And then you'll see it again. And it's through these windows that I can only liken to, you know, those windows on Disney Cruise Line that like people like to sit in and take pictures. Yeah, those, the, like, big... the,
0: the portal windows, yeah.
2: Yes, like it's kind of like that, but not round. And it's kind of like a bay window. And you'll see the Falcon from a higher angle as well. Okay. And then once you walk past it, you'll enter a space where the show begins. So you'll you'll feel like you could be inside of a building and then exit out onto the ship. It's very feasible the way that they set it up, that that would be real that right, so, you were actually boarding.
0: So the, the way the ride queue is configured, they're trying to simulate you walking back outside and onto the Falcon?
2: A bit. I don't actually know if we walked the... So once you, once everything begins, you're, um, you're in a space with Honda Onaka and a droid. I can't remember which droid it is off the top of my head. And then he kind of recruits you because he runs like a a shipping business. I am not explaining this well, but he kind of needs you to ship or smuggle some things out.
0: Ship, ship, smuggle such a harsh word. Mm -hmm.
2: Yes. Yeah. Just, you know, like a transport.
0: Yeah, exactly. You just need to carry something. Who among us hasn't been to Mexico and back in a single day? Yeah. Doesn't okay.
2: matter what it is. Don't, um, don't, don't ask questions. questions. You're yes. oversharing <laughs> again, Lynn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've,
0: we've all got that one friend, right? We've all got that one friend. Right. Yes. Uh, so you agree as if you had a choice, right? But then then what happens?
2: So then um, you proceed down a corridor and, you know, I've asked another journalist who's on the trip and we both couldn't recall the exact corridor shape or like the way it bent to get into the Falcon. But honestly, I know everyone is very concerned about if it will feel like you are on the ship. And I can tell you once you step in to that general space, you will never ask that question again because it feels so freaking real.
0: So you, you walk in and is it where where in the ship do you, do you board? Is it with the, the hollow chests?
2: Yes, it's that main space. And I was okay. fact checking it for a couple of days. I believe it's called the guest quarters is like the official official name of it okay but it's you know like the living space of the ship with the hollow chest table with objects all around
0: okay how long are you there like is this part of the queue or is it just so- something you walk by
2: this is what's so interesting is that somewhere between seeing Hondo and Naka and entering this space, Disney will, whatever the cast members are, I don't know how it's going to happen, but there are six positions mm-hmm. within the attraction mm-hmm. and you will be, before this portion, you will be assigned a team or a group of six and one of the three jobs that are inside that ship. So you will either be a pilot, okay. a gunner, or a flight engineer.
0: All right. So two flight engineers, two gunners, two pilots? Yep. Yes. Okay. All right, cool.
2: And so once you enter this space, it becomes a non traditional queue. Mo- I mean, the thing I can most compare it to is not really the play section with Dumbo at Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, but more so with the Jimmy Fallon attraction in at Universal Studios, Florida.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So we're. Yes. Oh, all right.
2: So you enter this space, and like they basically upended their idea of a queue so that people could walk around take photos like everyone will be posting instagrams of them inside the Vulcan
1: it's interesting you use the Jimmy Fallon as an example because of course you got to interact with hashtag the panda up there because the original plan for this space was that Chewy was going to be in here and so you were going to be able not only to sit at the hollow chess table and that sort of thing but get your picture taken with Chewy in there and the problem was when they were doing play testing, it just totally blew the timing off. They'd yeah, make...
0: everyone everyone's spending seven minutes just taking pictures, and the ride throughput now is three hundred people. And <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> did you? Uh, did
2: yeah, you... I, I could see that happening.
0: Did you get to sit in the cockpit?
2: Oh, then you know I did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was it like?
2: So I actually waited for the first half of our group to go so that I could get my preferred seat. <laughs> Awesome. I was like, I was like, y'all chill, I'll be good. I'll just go in after you. It was crazy. The thing is, like, it's really hard to know what the experience will be like without the ride actually operating and without the screens showing any sort of media. Yeah. But in terms of like the, the cockpit alone, it is hella fun. I touch so many buttons. Oh, you like, can I, things, Yeah. Oh my god, I thought I was gonna get yelled at because I just kept like, <laughs> like taking everything. <laughs> I mean, it was great. You know, you pull the lever. Like it was, it was like, a, it's going to be a spiritual moment for yeah, people. Because I mean, like the passion of the Imagineers who worked on this interior space is so apparent. And they knew that they have to make it work for the most diehard fan. And I think that, I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed by the feel of it once they're inside.
0: So it looks weathered. It looks like this is a, this is the Millennium Falcon after after it's been through everything, right? This isn't the pristine, brand new... Millennium Falcon from uh the Solo movie. This is the the one that's been battle tested, right?
2: I believe so. Honestly, I was a little button blind. Okay. I was just kind of pulling levers, but right. the the in terms of the general space, yes, that is not shiny shiny new. But the cockpit I feel like is a little shiny just because I assume after about 3 weeks the buttons will
0: Yeah, not be. They're going to let the uh, the the guests uh weather the uh yeah. put, put put their own little patina on uh, on the No, their... I mean uh,
2: I'm going to have to check a photo. They did say that they were very, very specific about making sure that everything was super durable in there because people are just going to be pushing it all day. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, it's every one of those switches has to have a lifespan of like, you know, 10 million clicks or
1: whatever.
2: (laughs) Yes, but I will have to check a cockpit image because I can't I was honestly I was just so enthralled. I wasn't even. My journalist' brain was out of my skull, and my child brain was in full force.
0: <laughs> I've heard that uh, from uh, the graphics technology that's powering these things is is super incredible. Jim and I talked about this on a show uh, a couple months back, but they're using the most industrial strength Nvidia graphics processing cards uh, that are available. i think I think that Disney actually got a pre-release or pre-production version of them. but like any any one of those things, any one card graphics card that they have, could probably power a small corporation. I think they've got ten of them for each, each ride vehicle, for Disney. So that the uh, the graphics that you're seeing or and and the button pressing, all of it is being rendered in real time. So there's very little, if I understand. There's very little fixed film in any of the uh, in any of the ride. All of it is or virtually all of it is dynamic. That, yes, that's super interesting.
2: Yeah, a colleague of mine, uh, Matthew Panzerino at TechCrunch has really dove deep on all this. So if anybody is interested in this specific aspect of it, I highly recommend reading some mm. of his work. TechCrunch. But I asked him to kinda give me the grandma explanation of that a few okay. months ago. And he was like, You like when the ship turns, it'll turn. Like it'll feel like you're really, really flying.
0: So it'll bank and everything like a regular simulator.
2: Yeah. yeah. It'll yeah. just it'll all happen in real time.
0: That's great. And I think that's that's why they're using the super powerful graphics cards because depending on what you uh, what you do. the ride uh, that'll have to change. I did hear from somebody else that uh, it's no longer possible to crash the Falcon. Did you hear that?
2: That was, I'd say, loosely confirmed. So what it sounds like is that you can't just self-destruct, but there's a spectrum of how well you can do or how not so well you can do. Uh, When I tried to dial down on that, I couldn't really get any specific answer, but it seems like it's built into the ride that the Falcon's going to take a beating at some point.
0: Okay, and this is the thing that Jim and I were, were concerned about because in the initial playtesting that we heard, Jim, what was it? that, that some, You could literally walk in and crash it, right?
1: Yeah. The problem was that the six people who were grouped here, they won't necessarily be your friends and family. And if you have that one antisocial individual, oh, yeah. I don't want to live! You know, just sort of like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jim, let me just say, if I had to wait six hours... And somebody crashed the Falcon thirty seconds in. The thing that they would, uh, that the Imagineers would want to know is how do you get blood stains out of the cockpit of the Morning <laughs> Falcon? Because that's that's what would be going down next, right there. That's anyway we'd have to hose this thing down. All right. So you you let the, your group leave, Carly. You you sit in the cockpit. You you do your thing. They I guess they have to drag you out, right? Kicking, yeah. kicking and screaming of the Morning Falcon. What what happens next? What do they tell you next?
2: So we were not taken out of the proper exit, and I asked a follow up question, and I'm still a bit confused on how this works but basically the way that they explained it is that they made an environment where you feel like you are the only group that's boarding the falcon and you are the only group exiting it and i'm not exactly sure what that means in terms of the exit because i don't think you exit back into that main space where other people waiting to ride are because the timing wouldn't work out but i don't know what the actual exit will be like because we didn't see it
0: it just seems like they thought of every single detail on this thing.
2: I mean, yeah, when you have fans that are this passionate and uh, and know so much about this world, and you try to bring it to life, yeah. they kind of they kind of can't be loose with it. Like they really, really put an effort to make sure that people would not be disappointed in either attraction.
0: Wow, that's fantastic! All right, so you leave the Millennium Falcon. What happens next?
2: After that, I believe we did our third portion of the tour, which was all of the. Um, food locations and shops within Black Spire Outpost.
0: All right. So let's uh, let's talk about the food a little bit. You said you got to sample some of the food earlier.
2: Yes, we did. Um, earlier that day, we had a really lit breakfast. Uh, we, just <laughs> ate, um, <laughs> we ate so much at like 10, 15 in the morning and it was really great.
0: That's awesome. What um, Were there any uh, food uh, items that, that stood out to you?
2: Yeah, what's really interesting to me is that I can't help but think that some of these items feel a bit along the lines of Satuli Canteen at Pandora, the World of Avatar at Disney World. Okay. But specifically the oven-roasted burra fish, which can also be a roasted triip, which is chicken, on top of this body of a... It's like romaine, kale, sweet potato. I believe there's pumpkin seeds, orange cauliflower, which is an interesting choice, and then a curry dressing. Yeah. But other dishes are, they're very standalone and they're, it's, it's very unique because they approach this not the way that Disney's Hollywood studios has done the past few years of like Darth Vader waffles with chicken. Yeah, exactly.
0: it's, yeah. well It's I mean,
2: not like that at all.
0: Let me just say, if your approach to food is let's do the opposite of what Disney's Hollywood studios is doing right now, that is a winning strategy right there. Let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you, that's, that's the way to go.
2: I mean listen, I I love a pretzel with cheese.
0: Yeah, but, but not but yeah. You're not going to find one in uh in Black Spire outpost. I understand. Did, yeah, no. It looks like they they tried to make the color of the food and the appearance of the food as Star Wars-ish as possible. Was that was that your sense?
2: I think it's more so that they focused on a lot of plant-based foods, which I did not expect. You know, I thought there's all these creatures around. You chop them up, you barbecue them, you're eating. But that's it's really more so there's an emphasis on vegetables and green and colors. And a lot of the dishes come with, like, it looks like a steamed carrot and green bean, which is, a oh, real healthy. So, hmm. it yeah, it's really interesting. I was not expecting them to go that way. But when they, the two meat items that they do have at Docking Bay 7 feel very Star Wars once you know the story behind them.
0: Okay. So docking bay 7 is the quick service. There's is there seating in the docking bay?
2: There is. So basically, I'd say imagine a rectangle and then the the line for it's a quick service restaurant. So the line will be against the wall and the whole center will be seating.
0: All right. So the line goes all around the four sides of the rectangle.
2: I'm told it goes around the, if you're, if you're approaching through the entrance, there will be a line on the right Wait. for, yeah. Okay. And I'm, I'm just inferring that the left side will be mobile order, but that's just me guessing from how much time I spend in theme parks. Right. But then the center will be seating, which we're told will be, you'll sit on barrels and crates. And then there are, I believe, four or five of these large cargo holds that will be decorated like a fishmonger. And then one, oh, I can't remember what the other one is, but the, each one will be. Decorated and propped out so that it feels like a themed experience for the people dining within those.
0: Okay. So that's that's stocking base seven. Then there's also another place called Ronto's Roasters.
2: Yes. So Ronto Roasters, which I know is Ronto and not Ronto's, because I wrote it wrong in a story and I am very embarrassed. But
0: <laughs> Ronto, Ronto Roasters.
2: So here's the thing about Ronto Roasters. It's it is basically a stand. You know, you can only order three items from there, two types of turkey jerky and the Ronto wrap. But while the actual like, place where you order and the actual pickup seems like it'll be a small footprint, the middle of it is gigantic. It's because the whole story behind Ronto Roasters is that, that the proprietor repurposed a jet engine and then a droid is just cooking a ton of meat on it. So sure. that like, it's this engine turned oven. And that, when we were standing in front of it, I didn't realize how big it was going to be. It is big because it is the main entrance to the marketplace, which has all the little shops like a sook. So it has all these little shops, but to get there, you walk through what is this large prop set piece roaster.
0: Interesting. So that's the main entrance to the marketplace. That makes sense in the context of it being a street food thing. Okay. There's also a popcorn shack and milk stands for morning stand.
2: Yes. The one thing that I regret not asking is where the milk stand is because I don't believe it's in this marketplace. And by marketplace, I mean, you're going to walk through, it's not a hallway. It's a space that has about six or seven alcoves. That's very reminiscent of a sook that you would find in Istanbul or in Marrakesh, something like that, like a bustling market. Okay. And there's these l- small stands that will all be themed and offer different things, one of which is Katsaka's Kettle, which okay. will be a this red, purple, spicy, sweet popcorn product.
0: Really? Red and purple, spicy and sweet? popcorn product. And this is this is sort of outdoors? This is an outdoor market?
2: Yes, it is. But um, and the concepts are, there, in the concept art, there are a lot of banners hanging. So yeah. this won't be a Toy Story Land situation.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that. We don't know anything about the milk other than it is Disney's already said it's non-dairy milk. So that answers yes. one question.
2: Well, okay. So I know a little more. So it is um, there's a blue milk and a green milk. Mm-hmm. And the blue milk that is served at the milk stand will be the same product, but served differently within Oga's Cantina. So at this milk stand, both will be served frozen, kind of like a smoothie product. And within Oga's, it will be a chilled glass of
1: blue milk.
0: So a smoothie, so this is, um, Jim, this is the uh, frozen butterbeer.
1: Yeah, and there's some info about how they're differentiating between the blue milk and the green milk. Blue milk is supposedly a berry melon flavor. The green milk is supposed to be more of a citrus
0: such a smoothie sounds great. Yeah. Who knew that the Star Wars universe had Orange Julius? <laughs> <laughs> all right. And did you get to go to Ogus Cantina?
2: We did, yes. And? Oh, Len.
0: <laughs> did you have the song playing in your head? Dun, 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 dun,
2: dun. I mean, there's never going to be a cantina that's big enough to house all of us. Yeah. But it is not that big.
0: So you've been to La Cava in, uh, in the Mexico Pavilion in Epcot, right? Yes, is it, it is
2: bigger than that.
0: Okay. Is it, as, uh, is it like twice the size of that? or?
2: So here's the deal. So we walked in and the center currently, you know, while it's under construction, the center, there's like a center bar with some metal pieces. And then there's a space and then there's a low stone wall. And I asked them, is this wall just, when if, if you cross this wall, is that space for people to stand? And that's it, part of the bar. So there's the bar imprint seems very, very big. And then once you're outside of that, you can either stand at this wraparound bar, which will be helpful to fit people in because the whole thing is accessible to put a drink on. And then there's all of these, you know, in traditional, like, cantina style, there's little alcoves where you can sit and there's uplit tables.
0: Do any of the uh, little alcoves have any uh, laser blaster burn marks?
2: I would put my money on yes. Okay,
0: all right. I would, I would think they would too. All right.
2: Um, but we did hear DJ Rex's music. How was that? So good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what kind of uh, what kind of music is it?
2: So they've been calling it like Jawa New Age and like like a mix of pop music from around the galaxy but it's very tempo and it's fun and um in my notes i wrote down because we saw him and i was just like scribbling because we weren't allowed to record yeah. it i believe it's a th- they said it was a three-hour show but then said that it was an hour's worth of music so i'm not exactly sure what that means but i know that they do have a ton of music so if you're there having one or two drinks yeah. you'll you probably won't hear the same song twice i've heard
0: it's a three-hour loop mm. yeah okay
1: Okay, Pro that's Paul Rubens. So, know, <laughs> yeah.
0: so it's uh, it's the alien equivalent of Yanni. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, it's
2: like, like the minute I walked out of the animation building and Imagineering, I was like, yeah, I'm going to need a soundtrack for sale the day this opens. Oh,
0: you know it. They, they, I would be shocked if they didn't uh, have it somewhere. Or I mean, it's
2: very good.
0: Or someone's going to just sit there for three hours, you know, with their with their iPhone on record. It needs to be one of those things.
2: So you mean us?
0: (laughs) It was it was the royal someone. Like there was an air quote when I when I said it. All right, what um, (laughs) what about merchandise? Because I've heard that there's a lightsaber experience.
2: Yes, there is. And when I asked the Imagineers about it at our roundtable interviews, they talked about how this was blurring the lines between a merchandise location and an attraction. So this is really going to be something very special. I know that there's a pre-show element, and then once you're in the build room, it's only 14 people. So it's going to be... Yeah.
0: How... I mean, is there going to be a, a lottery? Is there going to be a fight to the death between guests? I mean,
1: what?
2: Oh, you have to sell members of your family, obviously. Oh,
0: okay, all right,
1: Jim. You, Jim, you were uh, you were volunteering for that. This is Disney's answer to *Ollivander's*. Yeah, the wand. Yeah. It's you know, the wand, for, yeah. And so remember, you only get what 18, 19 people in that experience. I think.
0: Well, but get, there are, but the the when they redid it for Diagon Alley, there are what six rooms now.
1: That this is true. I've been talking with folks at associated with the project and the the concern here is it's such a significant jump in price because this is not a plastic lightsaber i mean as carly will tell you that this comes with a glowing kyber crystal we pick your metal handle i want to say what is it the base rate for this thing is like 109 is it
2: so this okay so this is the issue is that when i was there and i asked people prices we were basically not given prices on anything Mm -hmm. But I know some people ran prices, and I've been talking to other journalists, and we're having a hard time determining if those prices are possibly the price of this experience or the price of the legacy lightsabers that will be for sale in Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: I mean, here's the thing. I'm not sure. As soon as Jim said $109, I'm like, there's no way it's that low. Mm -hmm.
2: That's the thing. The legacy lightsabers seem to be sold within a glass case, which means big money. So it has to be this product, but... I can't confirm that cuz they didn't tell me directly. But I would expect I mean I would absolutely pay that amount of money for this.
0: Oh yeah, I mean not not even not even question $109 I'm like oh, and I'll take two. I mean, yeah. It's
2: a show. It's personalized. Yeah. You get to hit your family with it. <laughs> exactly.
1: I mean, what's it? <laughs> Well, it's priceless. And and the other thing about this thing, I mean, it the is is supposed to be hiding in plain sight. I mean, it, you know, the idea is the first order is is in Black Spire Outpost, they clearly would frown on somebody who's making lightsabers. So uh, the whole setup for the show is kind of a speakeasy kind of a thing. You know, you, you have to know to find it and then know the secret handshake, so to speak, to get into the show space. So
0: you mentioned the name, Carly. What is the name of the, of the lightsaber experience?
2: Savi's Workshop Handbuilt Lightsabers. Mm. Okay. So, and I believe Savi, S A V I, I'm very congested. Mm-hmm. Um, he will. I believe he, I believe he's a he and I believe he will appear in this.
0: Okay. I think. I, I think, yeah, Jim, if it's $109, that's, I think that's, that's low. Cause what what's a one, 65, 50 to 60. It ranges, right? Cause there's different models. If
1: you're buying the one that's interactive for, you know, it's one price point. If on the other hand, you're just buying a generic one, you know, in the Ollivander's experience, a different price point. If you're buying, you know, a copy of, Dumbledores or, or McGonagall's yeah I mean yeah it's you know, and you want you know fries with that you know so yeah, yeah it's, okay. it's a lot of different price points
0: what um what other merchandise do they have that's uh that's notable Carly?
1: the Droid Depot which is
2: where I'm permanently moving into
0: Droid Depot okay tell me like about
2: I it. so I mean I gotta preface this with you know my job is to be a professional journalist I Critique things Disney does, and I walked in when we had all the merchandise set up, and I didn't realize how loudly I said it. And I was just like, "Well, I'm going to be poor," <laughs> 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 and like, I mean, it just not. I mean, everyone heard me say it, and they were like, "Yep," well like it was con- confirmed we did a good job. But I've, I mean, even like I said, I'm a, I'm a middling Star Wars fan. I'm into this, but I'm, I'm not obsessed at all. And I saw the droids, and I have never felt such a carnal need for a piece of merchandise
0: wow what uh what, what drew you to what uh, what about the droids did you like
2: i mean i don't have a dog so i really want one to follow me around the
0: house <laughs>
2: And like the fact that it's not really just a toy, it's, I mean, you get to build it and apparently like pieces will be coming off of a conveyor belt and then you build it yourself as like droids are above and there's like the whole place is droided out. So there's kind of like a, like a dry cleaners clothing rack filled with droid pieces. Like it's just everywhere. And then you get to pick what it looks like and then you can put in different chips and you can give it a different look. And you can make it move back and forth, and it communicates with other droids. And I didn't know how badly I wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: it's like the uh, the robotic uh, American girl doll, but uh, with uh, with technology in it. That's fantastic.
2: Oh my god, you're right. That's exactly what it is. Oh, it's
0: American dolls for uh, geeky American uh, men. This is fantastic.
2: And women. And, and women, women. And
0: women. And women. Exactly. You're right. You're right. Because uh, Star Wars no, knows no gender bound boundaries. Ha. Huh. They looked, they looked fantastic. I've seen some of the earlier droids that Disney did that uh, you could guide around with your cell phone, like the BB-8s um, that you yes. could do. And this is like that, that, that sort of technology?
2: So it's similar because it does have this remote that feels very children's toy, which is so much different from the actual product. Because the actual product is crazy, mm-hmm. but the remote has big buttons that move back and forth. But the fact that the droids can react to other droids within the land can react to other droids that people make and purchase—that's what's the selling point for me. Mm. Is like because it it can it seems as close to a living droid as you can get,
0: and they're configurable. You can. Uh...
2: Yes, because all that's been released so far is that press image where everything's on a table. Yeah,
0: that's the only thing I've seen. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So they kind of look like those BB-8 toys that came out, like you mentioned, a couple of years ago with the film. But I mean, seeing one of these move, (laughs) it's crazy. But here's okay. here's where the issue is, is that you're in a droid shop. You know, you are on a Star Wars planet. You make a droid. You love it. You walk outside, and it's not fully intended to be used within the land.
0: I was just going to ask that question. So, like, okay, so you mentioned that you could it would interact with other droids in the land, but how would that how would that work?
2: So I asked Scott Trowbridge about it, and he said that there was going to be some sort of backpack. So you put your droid under backpack, you carry him around, and when something happens, he'll like you'll hear him him them it you'll hear the it you'll hear the hear the droid react to things within the land.
1: One of the other items that came out from this event was. The fact that for, I guess, the first six months that this place is open, you see the droids in all the concept art wandering free throughout the land. And that's not really going to be the case. They, I, I guess they're going to hold them back till this is the phrase that we use, until the crowds die down. So yeah. that's what, 10, 15 years from now?
0: Yeah, again, we, we, <laughs> we should live so long, right? Yeah. I've, heard, I've heard the same thing too. Well, I heard there was two things. One, the technology isn't quite ready enough for autonomous droids. In the land, uh, and number two, they're concerned about any of the taller droids. Kids are just trying to push them over. Like there's no there's no way to prevent that.
2: Yeah, it's something I'm definitely very concerned about, and but I feel like I, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt until the land opens and I'm physically in the space yeah. because my perspective on it is that they spent five years building the most realistic. Star Wars planet they could possibly build. But if you walk in there day one and there's no alien creatures and there's no droids, it won't be Star Wars.
0: Right. I think that's why they they have to do the droids. And we know we know from the people that they hired who were autonomous driving or robot experts, right, that they've been hiring for the last, to your point, the last five years. We've seen the patents that they filed. We've seen some of the research papers. We've seen some of the concept art. We know they're working on it. It may not be day one, but to your point, Carly, if it doesn't happen, I would be I would be disappointed. You mentioned though, yeah. so let's talk about walk around characters because you mentioned oh, I
2: do um I do just want to reiterate though that when I asked them, they did say the main point was like not yet.
0: Yeah, that's what yeah. I, that's what but, I get. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But you know, if I can see a trash can moving around, I feel like there should be something. There
0: we go. By the way, Jim, does this uh does the droid in the backpack thing remind you at all of like Pal Mickey but version three? <laughs> Oh God, Carly, you are you too young for Pal Mickey? Do you remember it?
2: Uh, I know Pal Mickey, but definitely not specific versions of all it. Right.
0: Okay, yeah. all right, Pal Mickey. All right, so uh, so let's talk about the walk-around characters, and then uh, uh, I have a bunch of questions from our listeners. So let's uh, let's talk about the characters. We'll go from there. Great. What do they say about a walk-around characters?
2: I have asked, and I have not gotten a clear answer the main thing that I honed in on was, you know, all of these stores like Toydarian Toymaker and Ogus Cantina and things like this have specific otherworldly proprietors. And I asked and asked and asked, will we see them? Will we see these people or alien beings that these stories are based around? And the answer is inconclusive. So I cannot get a feeling on if there will be only these creatures manning the stores, if they will be in the land. In terms of characters we recognize, Mm -hmm. it seems like the, talking point is characters who would make sense within this story and on this planet that would naturally fit here will yeah. fit here.
0: Okay. I heard from another source that they were training the cast members who would be working in the land to be to basically improvise.
2: We also asked that and we um, they didn't really say that. For, so what it seems like is that you will know where you came from and you will know kind of if you side with First Order, if you side with the Resistance, and everyone is basically... Commutes into the city to work, so there are people who are vaguely local on Batu. Uh, okay, okay. They travel to Blackspire Outpost, and it's not that you can fully improv and you know kind of push the boundaries of what's happening. Um, a really good example. That was used, which I'm pretty sure is in Todd Martin's story for the LA Times, was that you can't say, Oh, I'm Han's second cousin. Right. It's that you can kind of talk to a level of like, oh, I hear this is happening in town, and oh, I hear the first order landed. And you have autonomy both in that respect and throughout what you choose to wear.
0: Got it. Okay, that makes sense. So then in terms of the characters, what film are the characters supposed to be based from? Because this is this is like what, Jim, 30 years after episode four
1: well i i think you know the very fact and i think carly mentioned this that you meet bb8 you meet you know or you see poe you see ray this is set in the the current trilogy in fact black spire house post is deliberately a loose enough construct that should there be characters or experiences from the uh the films that follow when episode nine wraps Uh, They can be folded into this land. But a lot of the footage for the attractions, and and especially for Rise of the Resistance, was shot while they had the talent there working on episode nine.
0: Okay, so are we assuming then that any character that we see in Galaxy's Edge isn't going to die in episode nine?
1: Two words, Len Force Ghost. Okay, (laughs) you (laughs) know, (laughs) just (laughs) like. All right, fair enough.
0: All right, Carly. Uh, anything else on the uh, on the characters walking around that we should know about?
2: I do want to mention that. So the creature stall, which is within this marketplace, okay. which these aren't full shops, they're kind of little nooks within the marketplace. But it appears that they're going to be fully themed out. And the creature stall, they lifted up a tarp to show us um, an audio animatronic creature within there and there will be more of those so it'll be these like kooky plush animals that, like when you pet a tauntaun it reacts to you and when you like shake them they they jiggle like they're they're very interactive toys mixed within aas within the shop and i think that that will also give a bit of otherworldliness to it
0: and you can buy those things
2: you can't buy the aas but all of the toys assuming so are... you can buy the toys yes
0: how are they handling the checkout then if everything's supposed to be like a little a souk or a a marketplace where are the cashiers
2: that question was not answered.
0: Okay. To All it. right. Fair enough.
2: But I have to assume that this will be something that a magic band is ideally set up for.
0: Oh, uh, okay. You mentioned that. And Jim, you and I haven't talked about this, but there, Disney's filed a bunch of recent patents about checkouts without having cashiers. So you walk into a store, you grab what you want, you check out using your magic band, and you leave with no people. Sort of like how Amazon has employee stores in like Seattle and New York. Yeah. Disney's filed a, a couple of recent patents on interactive stores well, that you just buy things and leave.
1: Okay. Just so long as they tell security. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, Carly, do you yeah. mind if we do
0: some questions? I know we've already talked for an hour, but do you mind if we do some questions? Yes. Let's talk first about ride accessibility. Did they mention anything about wheelchair accessibility for the ride experiences? Anything about like sensory aware people, mobility aware people? Anything like that?
2: In terms of mobility, I have sent over some follow-up questions, so I'm still waiting to hear about those. Um, the spaces in Rise of the Resistance, the general areas, I think would be very accessible. Okay. In terms of the Falcon, it is, you know, size-wise, it is individual seating, so I know that was a concern from a few people who reached out to me, and that should be fine. But um, in that story, Todd Martin's did for the LA Times, he he mentions a quote where they say the ride, at least um, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. Will still work if you are hearing impaired, if you don't speak English, that it'll still make sense. But I am—I did reach out to know specifically: Will wheelchairs have to transfer, and if you have any mobility issues in terms of pushing the buttons, what will your experience look like?
0: Okay, so you'll uh, we'll either have you back on, or uh, you can feed those interests us, and we'll follow up on a on another show. Yeah, awesome. All right, so a couple of general questions. Then, did it give you any insight on opening dates? any previews, anything like that?
2: Shut down, shut down, shut down. (laughs) I tried to ask, but um, I couldn't get anything.
0: Okay, fair enough. Did they say how they're going to keep people from just hanging out in Galaxy's Edge all day? Like In terms of making sure that people who get into the theme park itself, into Disneyland, get a fair chance to get into Galaxy's Edge. What's preventing anyone from just like, like you or me or Jim just going in there at 9 a.m. and staying all day.
2: So they didn't discuss operations at all. And as someone who's obsessed with ops, as obviously you are too, this was more of a top-level informative trip, just to kind of let us know everything that was coming. But that will all be coming in the next few months, which I also am patiently (laughs) waiting for, because I need to know how early I need to get to the park to get
0: it. I think you should just go get in line now.
2: You're right. All
0: right. So you've been you've been to Pandora, right? Which is twelve yes. acres in Animal Kingdom. Galaxy's Edge is fourteen acres in Disneyland. Can you give us a sense of how big Galaxy's Edge feels relative to Pandora?
2: To me, this feels much bigger. And I don't know how much of that acreage is earmarked for show buildings, but I think just generally because so much of Pandora, you know, it has it has like beauty elements, it has lagoons, it has plant life. Mm-hmm. I think because a lot of this is winding pathways that are built to hold people, mm-hmm. I think it feels like it holds much more and is much more open.
0: Really? That's interesting. So it's so the couple extra acres plus the openness of the design make it feel bigger.
2: Yes. And the fact that there's multiple entrances. And right. also I the Pandora acreage, I'm not sure how much of that, I'm not sure where that starts. I don't know if that starts by tiffins. I don't know if that starts once you actually physically start seeing the land. Oh, that's it, true. Yeah. This feels like more of that acreage is dedicated to pathways, places to go, and things to see. And I will mention that I know everybody is concerned, as am I, about how are we going to fit inside this land. Right. But there are little show elements everywhere. There's if you go to a water fountain, occasionally a Dianoga beast will pop out. out of if you water go fountain. to the Yes. If you go to the bathroom, there will be a show element next to there. Outside of the droid shop, there will be droids that you can interact with. So everywhere you go, there will be something. So even if you're in what one might consider dead space, like a walkway, there will be something to see, experience, and touch.
0: That's incredible. Um, Speaking of the uh, the walkways, how wide are they? Are they like Fantasyland with a bunch of strollers narrow? Are they wide like Epcot? What, is it, what does it feel like?
2: They're pretty wide. Once you get into the center of Black Spire Outpost, where there's um, a staircase, if you look at the rendering, that's I think has been out before. There's a staircase in the middle, and once you go up that staircase, there's a ramp on the left side, and then you go up a little further, and you see the Falcon. Okay. So in that center area, where you know you turn left for Docking Bay Seven, you turn right for the Cantina, and it's a little more narrow just because there's so many entryways. But generally speaking, there's so many different ways to walk that you're fine. It's not like Pandora where it's a bit of a loop, right? And then there's you know little walkways in the middle that people don't really use. It's a, it's a lot of full paths.
0: Okay, that makes uh, that makes more sense. Okay, a couple of other questions. Then, uh, going back to the merch, did they show you an actual lightsaber? They did. Is it a retractable blade, or is it like a, a solid core that's that's always there?
2: It is not retractable. It okay. does detach from the base. But I'm glad we're talking about this because it is large and it doesn't. It, it cannot be made smaller. And when I asked Scott Trowbridge about it, he offered up that you know they will be selling some sort of carrying case sling so you okay. can throw it on your shoulder, but also he mentioned that you know they can hold your saber till the end of the day or they can send it to your hotel which gives me kind of a feeling that well you can't bring this on a ride and if you try to i don't know where it can be held
0: oh that's a super interesting question so yeah if you buy it what do you do with it then
2: yeah so it seems to me that if you buy it there is an option for them to hold it for you at the store location till the end of the day but you know if you roll up to star wars rise of the resistance with a full saber i don't know what that will look like yeah, because we, there aren't lockers i'm almost certain you cannot bring it on the ride so i'm not okay. sure what will happen there
0: you didn't see like uh cubbies or anything like that on the uh, on the ride okay um, oh no
2: i mean this was a full-blown construction site
0: okay all right fair enough you, <laughs> yeah. men- you mentioned uh shipping back to your hotel did they say anything at all about the star wars hotel
2: no, okay, not good. not a thing. This also, because we were at Disneyland, it, yeah, yeah. it is the same land, except for that there's a bit of a different orientation and one less entrance at Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World. But for the most part, this was all about the land.
0: Very good. Uh, Jim, do you have any uh, other questions? I know we've got one more to we want to ask Carly, but uh, do you have anything else?
1: I just wanted to double back on the timeline. Now, you had mentioned sort of the conceit is what, the First Order arrived a few weeks ago and people are tense that sort of thing you know is, is that the, the story the imaginators were putting across or
2: yes generally speaking and they kind of expressed the sentiment that this is loosely taking place within the current film trilogy so i think that's why you see so many of the current characters like ray and finn and poe and bb8 within one of the attractions. But. They left it a bit open-ended, I think, so that they can touch on some of those core experiences that fans want from this land, even though this land is not a carbon copy of something they've seen in a film.
0: All right, Carly, one last question then. You've been to Florida. You've been to Universal Studios. You've been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, both Diagon Alley and uh, Hogsmeade Village. How does this compare?
2: Oh, man, Len. I know.
0: You're a journalist. We ask you the hard questions.
2: I will say I can't... I mean, I can't fully pick one until it opens because yep. unlike a hogsmeade where the exterior of seeing the hogwarts castle and walking through it once you're on the ride that's different than actually being inside the castle mm-hmm. and like this attraction will be like you know you're piloting the falcon you're not running the halls of, of hogwarts so it is a little different in that sense but i would say uh, i can't pick until it's open because that would be irresponsible because i haven't been on the attractions yet but it is as immersive as it possibly could be it really feels like another world
0: i think that's all we can expect to hear right now so everyone that i've talked to said it's uh it's as good as it possibly could be right now which is a super super encouraging sign
2: yeah think of it this way like we entered i was wearing safety goggles a helmet (laughs) a vest so like someone else's construction boots there were crews everywhere we had to walk under cranes there were like pipes and just piles of objects and i still was wowed and yeah, it's kind of like if you're in a full-blown, dusty construction site, all the trees are not yet in, things are not done, and you feel like you're somewhere else, I have to assume opening day, it's just going to be that to an exponential degree.
0: Oh, can't wait to see it then. Are you going Are you going opening day?
2: I mean, Lord, I hope so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Again, we should all get in the line now. All right. Well, thank yeah. you very much for, uh, for being on the show. That's going to do it for our Galaxy's Edge special show today. Thank you. Carly Weisel for being on the show. Definitely go read Carly's stuff her Galaxy's Edge articles over at TravelandLeisure.com. Carly, where else can people find you?
2: The best place to find me is blowing off work at Instagram at Carly Weisel. It's spelled C-A-R-L-Y-E-W-I-S-E-L because my parents like to have a good time. Um, (laughs) And also on Twitter, I I throw all my stories all over the internet.
0: Fantastic. All right, folks. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams or at least we were until he left his house this morning to go line up for Galaxy's Edge. And I'm... (laughs) Hopefully he brought his laptop. Don't forget to go into iTunes and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on our next show.